0: This week's Major Spoilers Podcast Weekend-type Saturday edition is brought to you
1: by Brady Rainey, whose name I think is an anagram of something. I'm, I'm not sure. Brady Rainey, Brady Rainey, riding through the land. Anyway, this one goes out to you.
0: The major spoilers theme song. The major spoilers podcast is on the air. Pod on on the air. The major spoilers podcast is on the air. On the air. Pod pod podcast.
2: I'm Matthew. i Rodrigo. And I'm Stephen. If you're listening to the major spoilers podcast, 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 podcast. The major spoilers podcast is on the air. <laughs> Hey everyone, welcome to the Major Spoilers Podcast. So glad that you could join us today.
1: Now, oh, future people, from the future of the people of the past.
2: Or wherever you may be at this general point. <laughs> welcome. I'm in my living room. How are you? I am fine. Rodrigo, how are you? I'm good. Let us discuss things. Way
1: to ruin the
3: joke, Rodrigo. <laughs>
2: Uh, Everybody loves it when you do your white guy impression, uh, Rodrigo.
3: Oh, is that what they were doing? Because you guys just (laughs) sounded normal to me.
2: Let's dive into our email bag and pull out something from way, 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 way deep down. Hey, Stephen, Matthew, and Rodrigo, it's been an absolute pleasure exploring your major spoilers podcast, both past and present, over the last couple of weeks. I can honestly say that this podcast has kept me sane while working weekends as sane as one can be after listening to Matthew Ramble. <laughs> I really enjoyed your discussion about buying floppies to support a comic book series as opposed to buying trades. I did have one question though. What about buying comic book subscriptions directly from the publisher? Like Stephen, my comic book store is a fair distance away and I don't mind waiting for the issue to reach me in the mail instead of, instead of uh, heading down to the store. Do buying subscriptions support the health and livelihood of a series in the same manner as buying individual issues at a store? That's from Richard. Matthew, what do you think?
1: Well, well, Timmy, um, yes, uh, honestly, this is the thing that is frustrating for me. I keep forgetting that mail-in subscriptions still exist. Yeah. Simply because, as you know, as comic books have transitioned into the direct sales diamond monopoly era, I keep forgetting that the subscriptions actually happen and somebody brought in a whole batch of X-Men comics from the nineties from what I like to refer to as the Rodrigo sucky years, uh, Mm -hmm. with Maggot and Cecilia Reyes. And, you know, uh, for some reason, Exodus is in every other frickin' one. And they were all, they were all still in the bags with his, you know, address on them. And they came boarded in little plastic bags, apparently when they came in the mail. So. I would say yes. If you're buying your subscriptions directly from the publisher, those are individual issue sales. They're measured to the publisher and I think they're counted as part of that issue sales. Yes, so and
2: then if you want to know yeah. if you wanna know how ICV two and some of those others are calculating estimated sales per month, is they're actually looking at, at publishers like Archie Comics. And if you have a mail order subscription, there's a mandate that you're supposed to inside the front cover down in all the um the fine print, you're supposed to say how many issues were sold, uh, including mail order subscriptions. Yeah. So that's that's how we can kind of use that as a baseline to calculate how many issues are projected based on index numbers, et cetera. So right. I, I said they're when, important.
1: Well, when your pull list is the way my pull list is, when uh, I'm cutting it down means we're under three pages you do kind of forget that there are people who can read their three or, you know, one favorite comic each month with a subscription. So I don't have any problem with subscription people the way I might, you know, castigate a a TPB guy who complains that his favorite books keep getting canceled. I feel like that, you know, that monthly subscription, at least right now is helping to support those books. Again, nothing necessarily wrong with the trade paperback. And I think that the industry is in flux in a transition period, but Buying the individual books is the easiest way
3: to support an individual book that you want to read.
2: Yeah. Rodrigo, do you have any thoughts?
3: Um, uh, that's how I used to get my comics, you know, one year, I think for my birthday, my parents were like, what do you want? And I was like, one, I want a subscription to X-Men. Um, and thus I could read all about maggots, awesome adventures. And what I call the Rodrigo awesome years of the X-Men. Um, <laughs> Which, ah, my which, name is Maggot. I'll, I'll, this is I'll my say, stomach. His I'll say this fuck. for me as an early reader of the X-Men. Like, I I I was I, I came out fully formed because I was like, Yay, this is awesome. I totally like this. And then they changed Marrow, and I was like, Well, this blows. I'm never reading this again. And I haven't. Yeah. I haven't regularly picked up the X-Men since they changed her. Kids grow up so fast. For me, yeah.
1: it was uh it was Dazzler joining the team around issue 217 that I was just like, this sucks and I'll never come back. Yeah, There's a Dazzler issue with Juggernaut on it where Juggernaut is like 20 feet tall. And I'm like, that's not actually really right.
2: The other, the one thing that's a problem about subscriptions, and Skrull Brian has uh, encountered this multiple times when he's bought subscriptions for his kids, is what happens if the series is canceled? Well, you yeah. almost don't have a choice of what you can pick next the company might just say hey you were reading uh what was that uh, dc little kids superhero comics uh, now you're getting x comic instead that this that the series has been canceled sure. or well, you have to be a triple x yes uh or you have to be a big fan of the series in the case of x men that you're going to commit to 12 issues so that's the, uh, those are the only things pro and, and con against, uh, subscriptions. I don't have a problem with them. And I think if that's how you want to get them and the company does provide that service or that access, go for it.
3: Uh, it actually happened to me too. Um, I got subscribed to, uh, Heroes for Hire because I was like, ooh, I like the art in this book. I don't know what's going on. Apparently there are two, uh, human torches. That's, that's cool, I guess. Um, but, uh, the, the uh, comic got cancelled, and all of a sudden they started sending me Avengers. And yeah. I was like, well, these guys are a lot you know, shinier than the other guys. <laughs> they aren't any
1: fun.
3: Yeah. yeah. These guys have Iron actual Man. powers.
1: Iron Man's suit looks like he's wearing evening gloves and hip boots and it's really disturbing to me. Yeah.
2: You know, at, at comic book conventions, when Matthew, when you and I were at the Planet Comic Con a couple of weeks ago...
0: Uh, uh, I love going down artist said. alley
2: because you get to meet and shake hands with creators and you can buy original art or you can get commissions done or you can get a quick sketch done sometimes for nothing. But it always amazes me, especially when I was over at B Moore and company's table because everyone was swarming, trying to see Lindsay Wagner that there was so much mass confusion going on around those tables that it would be very easy for a five finger discount on a thousand dollar original piece of art. Uh, at the table. Yeah. And uh, this always happens at every convention. If you go around the intard webs, you will f- you will see that so-and-so's artwork was stolen at WonderCon, or Dean Yagel's stuff was stolen at C2E2, or whatever. It happens all the time. Sometimes it's recovered. This past week, uh, speaking of uh, stolen artwork, uh, Ethan Van Skyver or, or however Matthew uh, says that we should be, be pronouncing it. Uh S- Cyber, Cyber uh, had some artwork stolen at, uh, I think it was WonderCon, and he found it on eBay and was able to get it back, or at least a portion of that back. Now, there's a weird kind of story on how the artwork wound up in this person's possession, but either you're dealing with the Rob Granitos who are stealing fake art, well, I mean, it's art, but it's copied art, or you're de- you have this run this risk of stolen uh, art that could be up on eBay or you could be like uh, uh, Nicholas Cage, who had his Action Comics number one stolen years ago, and this past week, <gasps> yeah, it was worth a, it was worth at the time when it was stolen one point five million dollars, uh, and it was taken from his home in two thousand, and it was just discovered this past month in a San Fernando Valley storage locker. That, the loss of that comic, a lot of people say, and maybe, I, I don't remember, I haven't really seen a direct uh, interview with, uh, with Cage, but he said that when that issue got stolen, that's why he started selling off his collection. He just didn't have it in his heart anymore to collect and, and sell and, and uh, read comics. No. And I know. Well, uh, wow. if I lost a 1.3 or $1.5 million comic, I'd be freaking out too. I'd probably sell out my collection as well.
3: What is yeah. it about... Well, it would be weird. What is it about... I mean, this is just... To pay just, the mortgage that you took out on it.
2: Yeah, to pay for the... Uh, to pay for your cost on Ghost Rider. Um, mm-hmm. what is it about stealing comic books and comic book art, things of these values? I mean, I, we steal everything. People steal cars. People break into your car and steal a CD. People break into your house and steal a video game system. Uh, comic books and and comic book art should be no exception, but... You know, I think some people do a five-finger discount and they don't realize what they're stealing. It's great yeah. when things return, but why does this happen? What can we do to protect an investment? Like, I mean, I find it hard that hard to believe that someone could just walk into Nicolas Cage's home and walk off with a million and a half dollar comic book. Surely he's got that under glass or, you know, somewhere stored. But what can we do to protect our stuff? To make sure that what we're buying is legitimate and not an illegal stolen copy. And maybe more importantly for you, Matthew, what's the comic book store's responsibility? I mean, you've got some original artwork in that store. Are you sure it's 100% mm-hmm. you know, not stolen? Or if someone came in and yeah. said, hey, I've got these uh, this original art I'd like to sell?
1: All the original art in the store was actually purchased from the artist directly because it comes from the owner's personal collection. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's a legitimate question. It's a difficult question. A few years ago we had, and this happens pretty often. We had a girl come in with a box of really valuable bronze age X-Men comics. Mm -hmm. And she's just like, yeah, I just, just, I'm like, yeah, these are your uncles or your fathers or your grandfathers or your boyfriends or heck your mothers. I don't know, but these are not your book. These are not things that you had just lying around. And it's clear that these are not things that you just had lying around because you don't know what they are, right? And uh, the store went ahead and purchased them, and there was no, you know, blowback from that. But I always kind of worried, you know, about what would happen if the mother or aunt or uncle showed up and said, "Hey, you know, these books were stolen from my office, or these, you know, these books were taken without my knowledge." It does happen. And I think that, you know, you have to be careful about, well, A, you have to be careful about people just showing up with ultra-rare stuff out of nowhere. Right. But you also have you have a responsibility to do a little legwork and a little math. If if a copy of Action Comics number one shows up anywhere, it's documented. You know Mm -hmm. it's documented. But Mm -hmm. even something like, you know, if you look at, say, uh, Spider-Man 300, which I believe is one of the first appearances of Venom. That book shows up relatively often, but even that could be something, you know, that was stolen from someone's (laughs) personal collection. We've had a number of times where local people have said, you know, have come into the store and with a list, and these books were stolen from my collection. If somebody tries to sell them, please contact me. So, you know, it does happen.
2: What, I mean, possession of stolen goods, receiving stolen property – um, that could get you guys into a big, big problem, right? I mean, is there any protection for the store in doing that? Well, I guess, well, I, I don't guess, I guess, know. I guess the thing that gets you in trouble is knowing you, you knowing that right, th- I right. stolen goods, willfully know,
1: knowledgeably goods. trafficking in stolen goods. I yeah. think that the main problem that you'd come up to would be being out the money, because obviously in a situation where the store were theoretically involved, the police would obviously be, you know, taking the stolen goods. The store would still be out that money and the thief would have it. But then there's also the fact that you don't sell to gatekeeper specifically, but hopefully to most stores without identifying yourself. Right. You know, yeah, you, but if I came in in if order I came to, in to sell
2: today, if I came into your store today, now you mm-hmm. know who I am, but if I was just Joe Average... Um and I came uh-huh. in with a stack of Batman Beyond Art. Uh that I We have would purchased.
1: still be asking you for a photo ID. Ah, okay. And you would be filling out you would be filling out, you know, in personal information so that we could contact you in case of any problems. I see. So it's not like, you know, you're gonna be able to just foist this stuff off on us anonymously. I think that probably eBay is going to be worse for her for something like that happening Mm -hmm. you know anonymous sales of something that's clearly stolen
2: well that's and that's what's really amazing is that people i mean obviously this action comics wasn't somebody wasn't trying to sell it in an underground auction that we know of i mean somebody found it in a storage locker because the person hadn't paid their storage rent or whatever um but in the case of these flash this flash art um you know it's just a search on ebay and there it is hey there's my art somebody's gonna be pretty ballsy to be doing that right
0: oh yeah
1: but then there's also the question of how do you prove you know, how do you prove that Rob granito stole your work but yeah that's true. how do you you know how do you su- suspicion you know how can you prove that this art was actually yours and that the person who's selling it is the thief if it hasn't you know let's say you're you know you're doing uh, third party sales people come in and you will requisition stuff and You'll sell it for a portion of the profits. Right. Are you going to be held responsible? I mean, what responsibility is there? I think that it's a really complicated issue.
2: Rodrigo, what are your thoughts on any of this?
3: Um, I think that, you know, as a, as a community comic book, <clears throat> and of course now my <laughs> phlegm decides to act up. That's a fact yeah sorry about that uh at least none of you had to see that um because it was gross yummy um no as a as a as a community you know people people do get outraged and they're like how could they do that is nothing sacred and the fact of the matter is that it's not uh, no it's not you know nothing is sacred because when when you have people from outside the community you know you have people who are for all intents and purposes you know Professional con artists, and and that is not necessarily to, to bring up the more glamorous things that we see in movies, just people who get around by committing fraud all the time. Um, you know, they come in and they see, Hey, look, this comic book is worth a lot. Let's forge it, sell it to some chump, Mm -hmm. or not even forge it, just buy one of the reprints for super cheap and sell it to someone for a lot of money. You know, sell it for a quarter of what it's actually would be worth. This people thinks they're getting a steal. They're not going to ask any questions and you get away scot free or some other alter ego. (laughs) Um, so, uh, you know, like, uh, yeah, people get, people get really, I think, you know, in comics, when you hear it, hear about people like, uh, copying artwork or you hear about people, you know, out and out physically stealing stuff, we get really outraged, but, Unfortunately, it's kind of business as usual, and, and you know.
2: You Are know, there any, uh, is there anything that we can do as a maybe a buyer who's looking to to look into original art? Maybe Matthew or Rodrigo. Maybe you know some ideas of how we can make sure that this isn't stolen. Is it? Is it the only way to do that? Is to go through an authorized dealer or to go through the artist directly? Is that the only sure way?
1: Well, I wouldn't say that, but I think that. As much as all of us want to get a super deal, you need to be suspicious of anything that is too good to be true. And you need to be responsible about whom you're buying from. You know, if you buy something from, let's say it's, you know, a framed solar Man of the Atom cover, and you know that you're buying it, but you're not buying it from the original artist, there are, you know, there might not be any red flags indicating that there is a problem during that sale or during, you know, that particular negotiation of the sale. Mm -hmm. But then you have to ask yourself, you know, if someone stole a piece of material that you purchased at a fair market price, have you actually done anything wrong? Not really. I think it's kind of a it's, it's almost a, a buyer beware situation. You want right. to do as much legwork, as much investigation as, as possible, especially of any deal that seems to be well below the market value or seems to be, you know, Hey, we need to do this
3: right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it's, you know, and, and this came up, I think in, in the, the, the discussion when we we're talking about uh, Rob Renito. Um, Comics are still kind of weirdly behind the times on a lot of things. And and one of them is this, you know, there, you know, you can find some services that will legitimately find you uh, original art and and ancient comics and and things like that. But it's not the same as, you know, finding legitimate, you know, I don't know, Phoenician vases or, Mm -hmm. you know, even, even Hollywood memorabilia and stuff like that. There are places that have been legitimized through, you know, a good reputation and having certificates of authenticity and stuff that is just generally doesn't seem to be available for comics. You know, the fact that sometimes the fact that you can go directly to the artist and get this stuff yeah. is, is itself kind of a problem. You know, whereas in other instances, even the artists themselves would go through a legitimate service to sell Mm -hmm. their stuff
0: Mm
2: -hmm.
3: because otherwise anybody can impersonate that artist.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And in comics, you you
3: still don't have that.
2: I used to back in the early 2000s. I was online all the time on eBay trying to buy original Cowboy Bebop uh, animation cells and some other cells. And I think, Rodrigo, you've seen some of those in my real world job office. Um, But I stopped buying on eBay because it just got to the point where I was like, how can one person have so much of this art? It's either fake or they were in a warehouse and saw a box and just walked off with the box. And so then I just started dealing with dealers directly, um, you know, going through their company website or talking with them personally. But I've kind of stopped buying unless it's me going through the dealer or going through the artists themselves. I've kind of stopped buying original art for that reason of well, how legit is this and is it stolen or not stolen, et cetera. So, uh, yeah, you're right. Got to be buyer beware mm-hmm. on all of that stuff. Uh, this week on the website, hopefully, depending on by the time you've read this, uh, you can read a review of Dynamite Entertainment's brand new uh, issue of uh, Warlord of Mars, Deja Torres. And uh, uh,
1: there are. <laughs> I love the covers. way you pronounce that.
2: Yeah. Word, <laughs> What's that? What's that?
1: Like like uh, Dr. Torres, the, the yeah. hot girl yeah, from yeah. Uh, Grey's Anatomy.
2: Um, there, were, there are a couple of variant covers uh, that I didn't post on the site. Uh, but if you've seen uh, the character, you know she walks around in less than nothing. And in a couple of issues, a couple of uh, covers, she's actually not wearing anything at all. And so you get the full effect right there on the cover. Uh, which I think, Matthew, kind of had you asking the question about naked bodies
1: right again i do have kind of a weirdly liberal thought process for all the horror that that has when it comes to portrayals of nudity in comics i understand that we don't want things to be available to people under a certain age and i think that that's a good plan and I understand that obscenity tends to be defined by the morals of the public, by the, you know, the yeah, the, the public standard. decency standards. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But there's a, the main question is that if you go and read Edgar Rice Burroughs stories, Deja Thoris, I always say Thores because, you know, it's funnier, was naked. Yeah, she was. Completely naked. He makes a point of saying repeatedly that she was completely naked and no clothing could make her hotter than she is. And when you look at the covers, they are beautiful, especially the Art Adams cover. Just gorgeous. Mm -hmm. If you look at the covers, she is still essentially naked with the exception of, you know, kind of a loincloth and hubcaps. That literally cover nothing but the nipple and areola range of the breast tissue.
2: Yeah, in the alternate so cover, those uh, hubcaps are completely removed.
1: And that's the thing. If you look at this picture in black and white grayscale, and yeah. you don't even have to squint very hard, those things pass for nipples. Sure they do. You know, I'm I'm sure that without my glasses or to your normal vision... <laughs> The, I mean, you could look at those and think, "Wait, that woman is topless." So, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What my real question is, knowing that this is a comic book about a character who is defined partly by her extreme beauty and the fact that she doesn't wear clothing because you know it doesn't it doesn't do her any favors. Why is it that those little you know four or five inch hubcaps are the difference between Dejah Thoris being an obscenity and it being a perfectly understandable you know cover? Why is Scott Campbell's super hot, nearly naked woman with the little piece of gold painted on somehow acceptable? Well, I mean, that
2: goes into Whereas any. if
1: we had just.
2: Well, I mean, but that goes into any costume design that we look at. I mean, look at, um, oh, I don't know. Uh, look at uh, Emma Frost. You know, in some of very her costumes, so. it's, you know, very, very revealing. Look at. uh <laughs> What uh, what else you know? Sa- um, isn't there a female savage dragon that runs around half naked sometimes? She, she dragon. dragon, she dragon. Yeah. Um, yeah. look at uh the very funny. I mean, really, you know, anything with, with the word or...
3: "she" in front of it.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, She you know, Hulk was tarot. famous for this during the John Byrne days.
2: We were talking about terror There was a an episode of, of She ago. Hulk where
1: which yeah, her Vampirella. child
2: Vampirilla. I mean, they're basically yeah. let's just let's just cover up. The naughty bits just enough so we don't offend anyone's community standards or indecency laws. Well, but it's still got that titillation factor that that mm -hmm. allows the young adolescent male running home from the store to tuck dark child under his shirt. (laughs) So mom and dad don't see it when he goes into the bedroom. Right.
3: Well, and, and what it is, is what it is, is a contract. It's saying, look, this woman is naked and and you can look at this naked woman but we're going to cover up her her nipples and her vagina and really that's about it cuz usually you get plenty of butt yeah um if she's turned around and and a bare butt seems to be a a lot less of, of an issue but it's it's saying this woman is now officially not naked so this is now basically legal and right. and that's there so that you know, society doesn't break down because there's a naked woman on a comic book cover. But also, also so that we can have a naked woman on a comic book cover. It's, it's basically, it's, it's weirdly, it's meeting someone halfway, except really it's not. It's meeting someone way the crap over there. Because Mm -hmm. that person way the crap over there that says, no, standards and morals and Aesop's fables.
2: <laughs>
3: also, also wants to see Deja Thoris' shaboobies. Yeah. They just can't socially admit to it. So we get, uh, um, what, what I can only assume are, uh, those like really like, are basically like, um, those like finger symbols. Mm-hmm. That she just like before she goes out, she just licks each of them and just sticks them on there. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yeah, that's it. And um, they just stay. And they just stay. stay. Um, um. See, the problem is, I don't know. Uh, is it okay to? Ha- there's two two ways you can go. Is it okay to have nudity in comics, or should we ban? You know, or or are we as a society too hung up on the nude form to not make a big deal of it? In the case of are we as a society kind of messed up and we've got our morals wrong where you can have a guy being eviscerated on panel and have his guts spilling out all over the place and no one blinks an eye, yet a a nipple makes an appearance and suddenly everyone freaks out. Yeah, that's a societal problem that I think is kind of messed up. Now, should nudity be allowed in comics? You know what? I think if it's appropriate, there shouldn't be a big deal. Deja Thoris, good example. Don't make her, you know, if you want to make her naked, let her walk around naked, but make sure that everybody knows that she's naked. That is uh, a direct adaptation of the source material, and there shouldn't be anything wrong with the source material. Uh, if you're going to have Power Girl run around naked, I'm sure there's a lot of people in there. Certainly when we were talking about art a mo- moment ago, there's certainly a lot of people making a living off of commissions of superheroes naked. I mean, uh, one of my favorite artists, uh, Chad Spilker, that we go and see every year at, at Planet Comic Con has a whole book babes that are just naked versions of your favorite superhero. Uh, And he's a great artist. Um, You know, but if you're going to show power girl naked in, in an issue of power girl, there needs to be a reason for it. And it needs to be motivated and it needs to be more than just titillation. Now, when Amanda Connor showed power girl naked, she did it perfectly where the naughty bits just so happened to be covered up by a a breath of steam or the tree branch outside the window just suddenly blew in front of the way so that you didn't get to see anything or anything that some people might deem offensive. But, you know, if two people are making love, if two people are getting it on or whatever that you want to call it, in the case of um, one of the Boom Studios books from not too long ago, go ahead. No big deal. It shouldn't be a big deal, but we make it a big deal. Rodrigo.
1: And that's that's a problem. Or Matthew. For me in that. Sorry. No, no, go ahead. Deja Thoris specifically is an example of a problem that I have. And it, it kind of stems back for me to uh the mid-90s and the bad girl craze. Deja Thoris is a book about a naked woman. It's not as though they're going out of their way to make naked woman comics. But a lot of the comics of the bad girl craze were designed to have women as naked as possible. right? And there were, you know, special naked covers. I don't necessarily want to buy illustrations of nude women because I have high-speed internet. (laughs) But I look at this, you know, the Art Adams cover specifically, and I'm like, this is just a really lovely piece of art. And the fact that there's a naked woman in it doesn't necessarily make it any more or less a wonderful piece of art. Yeah, I look at that and I go, hmm. That is an attractive woman. I don't necessarily think that I'm going to want to marry her. And I certainly don't have an imaginary crush on her. But I think that the point, the problem that I have is when I was bagging books this Sunday, a book came up called Wolverine, The Best There Is. Right. And it's drawn by uh, Jose, Juan Jose Rip, who worked for Avatar and is known for really bloody, bloody gruesome, awesome art. And this book was filled with decapitations and chopped off legs and Wolverine stabbing people and being literally covered in blood and just people, corpses everywhere was not sealed in a protective bag on the wall the way they do when something has questionable content.
2: Yeah, because we as a society don't care about that. We can watch, you can watch uh, CSI Miami, you can watch anything in primetime, a drama show, a cop show on primetime drama, and you're going to see somebody with a hole in their head. You're going to see somebody getting shot on screen. See blood splatter. Nobody blinks. Nobody cares. But then it gets a little bit yeah, too steamy, you know, you you wanna know show, why though? you want to show somebody's butt cheeks. Oh my gosh. Oh. Why is that, Rodrigo?
3: Yeah, Tell us. The, the, the reason why that is is because somebody dying is not personal. You know, humans kill each other all the time. You know, there's plenty of war footage of people being shot. You know, humans kill other things all the time. We kill lots of bugs. If you've ever eaten Cheetos, you've probably eaten lots of bugs. (laughs) You know, we eat steak, we eat chicken, we eat all kinds of awesome things that used to be living creatures. Killing stuff is not that weird. In fact, what seems weird to me is our our, our outrage at, at things being killed. Um, but sex is personal. When mm-hmm. someone looks at that cover of Dejah Thoris, that cover changes the way they behave. It, if you're a boy, s- certain changes might immediately happen in your body chemistry that make it difficult for you to stand up without other people <laughs> noticing. Yeah. Um, if you're a girl, similar changes might happen, but lucky you, you can get away with it. Um, you know, when we see this, like, this is a cover that changes, like, a naked chick changes the way you behave, it affects you mentally, your body goes into a weird overdrive, you know, you linger, even if you're like, whatever, I don't care for comic art, you will linger a little bit longer, you know, I make fun of, uh, of certain companies that basically put out a lot of naked stuff, but Mm -hmm. I always click on the galleries, Cause it's hot naked chicks. You know? It changes your behavior. And I think that's what freaks people out. It's (laughs) you are weirdly relinquishing control every time there's a naked chick on a comic.
2: Right. Here's something that's really funny. Here's something that's really funny. And I and I don't mean to put down any of our Of our listeners, because I know a lot of you uh, look at the Major Spoilers website at work, or you're listening to the podcast at work, and ideally, your company shouldn't have any problem with you looking at a site like Major Spoilers. Yet, Major Spoilers, I know for a fact, has been blocked on several companies' websites because of the coverage that Jack Trigger and I think others, I can't remember if anybody else has covered it, of the porn parody stuff, right? Right? It's really funny because most recently somebody contacted us. Um, I won't give his his uh, his name, but he's he's a friend. I know him, and he said, "Hey, you got to stop covering that porn bar- parody stuff because major spoilers keeps getting blocked at work." And if you look at the porn parody. A uh, story that Jack had put up, it had no nudity in it whatsoever. The gallery images that were there of, of the Supergirl stuff, no naked bodies, no boobies being seen, um, just pictures of the cast standing around. Yet this, And yet his company blocked that, but the story just before or just after was very similar to what Matthew's talking about where there's nudity in the comic page or there is a very revealing shot that that person might as well be naked. And yet nobody has a problem with that, and that, in my mind, is doesn't make any sense.
3: And I think that's partially because it's a robot blocking it, so the robot can read text but can't interpret a uh, comic book cover porn. Right? (laughs) It's like, oh, this has three X's in a row and says porn on it, so I will block. And then who knows what? Who knows what the heck a Xenoscope is?
1: Right. Oh, you said it.
3: I did. And, uh, you know, from from what I can tell, they're pretty open about saying, you know what, we put cheesecake on our covers and it pays the bills. Yeah.
2: yeah. So well, that, that in which, and of I mean, itself,
3: at, I don't have a problem with.
2: But look at Witchblader. Look at this cover to Warlord of Mars. I mean, it's just like, oh, is there much difference? I mean, these people on the covers of these comics are actually wearing less than what we were showing in an article about an adult porn parody. So I just find that very funny. But yeah. I think people get really hung up on nudity and, and sex and they don't get as hung up on violence or drugs or other vices that, uh, vex our society.
3: I I think it's important too to, to, because people are like, oh, well, we as Americans are just crazy. How come we do this, (laughs) but we don't do that. And really the thing is people are like that. Um, Mm -hmm. and, Every It's true that every society comes up with their own compromises and contracts, and sometimes when we see them, they're weird. Like, if you look at Japanese comics, you will see sometimes where a guy is standing there, and you can see the outline of his penis, but the penis will be blanked out. Like, it will just be the outline of it, and that's fine. And this is a comic that you can, like, pick up. You know, that is not in any way cellophaned up or covered up or anything like that. This is something that you can find. And that is a legitimate kind of like, uh, late teen to adult book. And, you know, it has a dick in it, except it doesn't have a dick in it. <laughs> right. um, you know, it's not downright porn, but the fact that you are seeing the, that the character's penis is there is part of the plot. And it's just been blocked out. Mm-hmm. But in an American comic, you wouldn't even go that far. You know, we don't have that... You know, we don't put little blurry squares, unless they're making a joke about it, in comics. You know, they do that yeah, little, empowered. like, steam cover and, and things like yeah. that. Um, right, or everything except for the shred of costume that still covers that up is still around. Mm-hmm. But really, that's it's that's just its own version of the contract. That is just what Americans have declared to be okay.
2: And you know, what's, you know what else is weird? It's the fact that... um, Yeah, okay, so people would have a problem if it's nudity in regards to a sexual situation. Um, but a few years ago, there was a big issue with a comic store owner who sold a comic book. It was a bio of, and I forget who the bio was, of someone well-known. Uh, and it was done in comic book form. And there was a scene where the guy answers the door naked and you can see his penis. And not thinking of anything. of it it was just natural. It wasn't anything sexual. A uh, kid took it home, mom <coughs> freaked out, and uh, he was arrested. The sh- store owner was arrested because of this indecency that was in this book. And it really wasn't. I think wow. I was being chased or something down the street. I forget what exactly it, it was about, but it was just something that was so, really? You're making a big deal of this that it just, I don't know. Matthew, I you know me and my liberal views, uh, libertarian ways and views. If it's not bothering me, it's no big deal.
1: (laughs) Well, and it's not as though, I guess the problem that really frustrates me is it's difficult to discuss this without there being an implication of, well, why do you want to look at naked women? Well, I don't necessarily want to look at naked women, women, women but I don't understand. I don't understand why a book that is implicitly about, explicitly rather, about. A naked woman who is naked has to have, you know, all these dodges to where, well, I, I, I guess I'm in that weird, we're in that nether region where it's okay uh. to do, <laughs> it's okay to do a book about a woman who is naked and has always been naked, so long as she's not naked.
3: Yeah. Or as minimally naked as possible. You know, she We've has got two got little circles of and foil. That's, you know, it's, it's, you're, they're paying their dues. They're saying, yeah. look, this woman is naked, but if you want, you can pretend she's not. Yeah. Mm. You know, it's, it's, uh, unfortunately, it has to be the other way around. It's, you know, we're showing you a woman who's technically not naked, but you can pretend she is like the work demands. Yeah. Um, and that's unfortunate. But uh, I mean, if, if we have to err on the side, you know, t- to a certain degree, erring on the side of protecting that kid who walks into a comic store and is just immediately faced by, with uh, Dejah Thoris' rack. Um, you know, I-, I might be okay with it. On the cover, I-, I don't have a problem with it. Or if they were just like, hey, this is suggestive stuff, so just put a, you know, when it's in the bag, the bag will have that weird black bar around the middle of it and will yeah. contain the nudity to that. Then, you know, it's, That's, it's that doesn't, funny. that doesn't bother me.
2: It's funny when we go to the bookstore, my son goes to the bookstore with me and he's three, you know what? He's noticing this stuff now, right in the, uh, yeah. in the book section of the magazines that I read right next to it is the pornographic section. And you can see that he's looking, you can see that he's like, okay, what's this? Uh, you can see that he'll look at the cover of sports Illustrated's a swimsuit issue and go, Hey, what's this? I want to linger on this a little bit longer. Um, Or he'll look at a biker magazine and say, hey, what's this? He's not looking at nudity, but you can tell he knows what's going on. Bottom line is sex sells. Okay. Nudity sells. Implications of nudity and sex sells. That's why when you head over to Majorspoilers.com, you scroll all the way down to the bottom and you look at the most popular posts of all time. Comic casting couch. Wonder Woman XXX, a porn parody. The parody. Photo gallery. Justice League XXX, an extreme comics parody. Safe for work. Gallery, Justice League, Triple X, and Extreme Comics Parody posters arrive. Uh, b- 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 polybagged Fantastic Four 587, you must be needing to hide something. That doesn't uh, have movies. Bagged. Fluke! Or, or yeah, does it, because That it's is polybagged. actually ranked
1: higher than the actual review of the book. Yep, exactly. And then, of course,
2: and then of course, just because people love to look at Laura's VanderVoot, this picture that we have on the site from, like, four years ago is one of the most popular. Laura Vandervoort is uh, one of the most popular pages of all time. Sex sells. It's just that simple. Oh, yeah. oh Star Wars gets a porn well, parody and finds its Darth Vader. Boom.
3: Yeah, I mean, if you if you look at the ads that we run on the site and basically the ads that everybody runs on their sites, you know, mm-hmm. a good two-thirds of them have some sort of at least slightly suggestive content. It's true, sex sells. I and find your lack of panties most pleasing. Wait. Yes. Um, <laughs> Uh, you know there. Yeah. Uh, we're, never mind. I was gonna tell a story about college, but it's gonna take too long.
2: <laughs> no, go ahead, um, go ahead. Go ahead.
3: <laughs> we got time. Um. um, um so uh, I was in the arts dorm, which which meant that everybody was naked all the time to begin with. <laughs> but a bunch of girls every um every week. One of the suites, because, you know, we had a suite and then a bunch of rooms around it. Oh, um, so one of the suites would be in charge of doing what we called munchies, which, you know, once a week you go out, the, the dorm gives base. you money. <laughs> well, that that was optional, but you had to do it before because they, you know, they did have a race kicking around for, for okay. that situation. Um, but yes, it was clearly supposed to be ha ha ha. We're calling it munchies because, you know, we're all artists here and that's implied. Um, but, uh, one of the times, I think when I was a freshman, one of the girl suites did porn munchies. Mm -hmm. So you had to come up with your own porn name and shtick and stuff. So I actually went down as Darth player, um, (laughs) and I basically just got like, took out the mask from my roommate's Darth Vader helmet and just wore the helmet and just took a black sheet and wrapped it around me and wore some shorts so that it looked like I was naked underneath. And I just kind of hung out the whole time. And it wasn't until the middle of it when I actually uh, whipped out my lightsaber. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I see your shorts this is as big as mine.
3: Yes. My, uh, my munchies my freshman year was fat-ass robot munchies, um, <laughs> which which happened because we hit an absolute impasse because one guy wanted to just call it fat-ass munchies and not do anything. Just be like, we'll just get some fatty food. And I was like, we're going to get fatty <laughs> food anyway. And then I wanted to do robot munchies, so we compromised with fat-ass robot munchies. Um <laughs> in which uh, we went through and used the uh, old brunching shuttlecocks, like uh, when you type in your name and oh, it yeah, turns yeah. In, into a robot anagram. Yeah. Um, so I went through the whole dorm, did anagrams for everybody, made name tags, and uh, played robot songs the whole time and fed people pizza because
2: it had to be fat-ass, too.
0: More arigato, cool.
2: Mr. Rodrigo. Yep. <laughs> All right, before we get out of here, let's see, what are we at? Yeah, a few more minutes. 11. Rodrigo, 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 Rodrigo. You said something about you've been playing that City of Heroes games, and you got a problem with it being yeah, a superhero actually, video game.
3: Well, I think part of the the uh, issue that, that still eludes superhero video games and to a large degree the MMORPGs is that they're still very strongly rooted in RPGs. Like, right. basically, in your Final Fantasies and Chrono Triggers and Earthbounds and Act Razors. Um, so you, uh. Wind Waker. Yeah. When, when my friend, uh, was pitching me City of Heroes, you know, he was like, oh man, I just started playing this game. It's awesome because you get to play superheroes and we love superheroes, so we should totally play. I was like, okay, yeah, sure. Tell me more about it. And he's like, well, you know, you got like your big beefy guys and those guys are called tankers. And I'm like, okay, sure. That's a, and you know, you got the guys that blast you from far away and those guys are called blasters. I'm like, okay, cool. It's like, and then you got your guys that heal other people and those guys are called defenders. And I was like, wait, what? Why do you have healing guys in a superhero game? You never see healing superheroes. That seems like something that was thrown in there because you're basically still playing Final Fantasy, mm-hmm, yep. except with superheroes, you know, pulled up over them. Um, and that's kind of the case, unfortunately. It is difficult, I think, to approximate what superheroes should be like in a game. And that, that extends to role playing games because, you know, all, like the Final Fantasies and all that, those other video games come pretty much directly from Dungeons and Dragons. And right. a lot of the other games that you see at uh, the tabletop superhero games are also based on Dungeons and Dragons and they try to use kind of classes and, and feats and all this other stuff to simulate the superhero or simulate the superhero, but they just can't seem to get it right. And I think it's a problem from that fundamental assumption of we're going to play D and D superheroes rather than trying to come up with a system that directly, uh, basically that more directly looks at what a superhero game should be like Mm
2: -hmm.
3: and simulates that.
2: Yeah, so that's know, my thesis. It's it's really it's really tough to try to get that idea across in in a video game like mm-hmm. that if you're a hero because either you know in the traditional side scroller or first person shooter you're looking for medicine packs, uh, but if you're mm-hmm. trying to do an MMO you can't just drop by the hospital and say patch me up. Although you probably could, that maybe make it more interesting. But if you're fighting an epic battle inside Batman's cave in DC Universe Online. You're not gonna say, okay, stop the battle real quick, guys. I gotta scratch, I gotta go uh, take care of this, I'll be back in five minutes. You want somebody there who can heal well, you right away.
3: And you and you have to you have to make certain allowances, and I get that. Obviously, in a video game, you know, if your character gets dropped to zero points, you shouldn't just have the character die. Otherwise, you know, yeah. you would lose that character and all the time that you spent on it. So sure, a, a thing that teleports you to a hospital and that all superheroes have, okay, I'm willing to make that concession. But I think there's a fundamental gameplay issue in that, you know, why do these guys even have hit points? You know? I mean, sure, Superman gets hit with bullets after bullet after bullet, but he doesn't lose a single hit point to it, whereas Batman never gets hit by a single bullet and never also never loses any hit points. But if you hit Batman hard enough, he will go down. Yeah, presumably.
1: You shut your mouth The
3: problem that you run into... (laughs) No, you'll
1: hit him with a bus. The problem that you run into is the fact that superhero comics are essentially endlessly recycling that last-second momentary scrape or the underdog coming out of nowhere. If you look at Spider-Man's history, the boy should be dead 65 times before he's 20. But trying to translate into a gameplay circumstance... You know, it's it's kind of like my general whining, and you know, I I do have whining. General whining. My general, general whining about yeah why we feel the need to adapt things if we're going to have to adapt them to a completely different set of rules. Comic books have, say, the Hulk. The Hulk can be essentially unstoppable and as strong as he needs to be, and you know, develop a healing factor when that becomes cool. So. When that comes together and you try and put that into a game, you have to, sl- you have to scale the Hulk back as a protagonist. It's like mm-hmm. Rodrigo said, you know, a couple of days ago, the doctor is not a player character. I don't remember when or where you figure it out, uh-huh. but the doctor is not a player character. Superman is essentially not a player character. Batman, Spider-Man, the Hulk. And that's why I'm not necessarily interested in playing a game like DCU online where I might interact with a green lantern or a flash. Now I have played, um, uh, freedom fighters. I have played city of heroes. I have played champions online and all of those gave me a chance to have fun and not have to compare myself to Batman where, you know, where Batman is essentially, you know, superhuman and you can tell me he's not and he is and shut up. Batman is essentially superhuman in a very basic way. Whereas if I were to create, let's say, a bilingual priest who has roller skating and teleportation powers and call him the Holy Roller.
2: Awesome. Which
1: I did. Yeah, I thought so. He had a partner called Oh Boy who was a French lad who could turn into uh, water, but he didn't speak English, which is why it was important that the Holy Roller was bilingual. Nice. Anyway. The the characters are a lot more fun because those characters have weaknesses, but they're not truly superheroes. They're almost superhero parodies at that point in time. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's like Darkwing Duck. Is he a straightforward hero or is he you know a, a tongue-in-cheek mockery of heroes or tongue-in-beak? And, uh, and it's it's really both. <laughs> yeah, and it, it it works for him. Whereas the superhero video games, by making the main character the main character. Annoy me. Whereas the one place I found they did it well was in Ultimate Alliance, Mm -hmm. where you had a team. And at one point, my friend Eric and I were running a team consisting of Phoenix, Power Man, Ghost Rider, and Iron Fist. Mm -hmm. And we were, you know, literally just sweeping through villains like corn through a goose, like Sherman through Georgia, you know, like, Another metaphor that fulfills the rule of three. And that was, you know, basically two second stringers, a dead chick and someone that nobody's ever heard of. Uh, So, you know, those characters again, not really the central superheroes, but let's say Ghost Rider takes damage and he's out. You got to rotate somebody else back in so you can go and you can rotate in Spider-Man. I I like the way that works. Whereas if it's a first person you know, the Hulk as my first-person player character, it loses points because it can't really be the Hulk if he's, you know, dealing with these these weaknesses,
3: these problems that he has. Yeah, and and really, what's what's interesting about video games is that they're still fairly limited, especially you know, with MMORPGs, they have to find a lot of loops around it. But in in first-person games, you know there are only so many places that you can go. And I don't mean, like, physically, because actually video games have gotten really good about letting you go lots of places. But, I mean, you know, story-wise, so if, as Spider-Man, you fly in, and you're fighting, um, Venom, right? And Venom manages to clock you good once, and then pushes you off a roof, and you fall to your death, um then the game starts over, because Spider-Man's not supposed to die. Um, but then the game started over, and everything you did before doesn't count anymore. It's kind of like a weird... Su- like It's it's like video games as little tiny retcons, because unless the story goes the way that it's supposed to, you don't actually get to continue. Um, yeah. Every once in a while, they will throw you a curveball. Um, like, actually, a lot of RPGs... If you lose against the final boss, they will show you an ending of what happens when you lose. And of course, mm. since RPGs, you always start from your save point anyway. You can say, well, in this alternate dimension, I didn't lose to the, to the boss or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. but you know, you, you do see that every once in a while. Actually, the, uh, the Undertaker. Uh, Storyline in SmackDown versus Raw 2011. The story, the the ending in which you lose is a lot better than the ending in which you win. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I guess. Um, you know, when when it comes to the superhero video games, I'm not a big fan of those because I don't know. You've only got, you know, if you're going to build it off these tropes of the regular MMO RPGs or the Dungeons and Dragons, um. You know, line of of here are the roles for everybody. It kind of quickly loses a lot of interest because you really cannot mm-hmm. create a character that is too far outside of the tank, the healer, the caster, etc. Sure. So it's problematic, and I you know I don't know how popular City of Heroes is right now. I don't know how well DC Universe Online is is going. Um, mm-hmm. but when you compare it to what's going on with Rift and World of Warcraft. Those two probably pale in comparison to those to those two games, which are the traditional well, and, and of sorcery.
3: Yep, and they have the advantage that they are built on the same model that the engine is built on. Right. Um, whereas the other games are actually in a lot of ways fighting it. They are fighting mm-hmm. their own engine. Um, mm-hmm. when trying to do this. I think that it's it's fine and there's no reason why they should stop making superhero video games. I think, for example, um actually the ultimate Spider-Man video game, which I think the movie Spider-Man video games may have been the first to do this, but basically in Ultimate Spider-Man, New York is just open to you and you can just web sling yeah. your way into areas that then trigger missions. Yep. Um which is a lot closer to what actually playing spider-man is like you know Mm spider-man goes out on patrol and then all of a sudden there's a bank robbery so you you know swing down fight the robbers beat them up you know literally like uh um web them to a wall Mm -hmm. and leave them there for the police to find and that's the end of that mission and then you go find another one obviously there's still crazy big red circles for you to find things and it's probably a good thing that those are there because otherwise it would be difficult to navigate. Um, yep. But that gets you a little bit closer. So that experimentation is good. Um, mm-hmm. It's just, it's still going to take a while before they come up with really the perfect superhero game. And especially the perfect superhero MMORPG.
2: Yep. I agree. Alright everybody. Thank you so much for joining us this week on the Major Spoilers Podcast. If you thought that this episode or any of our Major Spoilers Podcast episodes are worth, I don't know, 25 cents? You might want to consider heading over to Majorspoilers.com and becoming one of our regular recurring donors to the site. Something as simple as $2 a month can really help. You could go 5 if you want to be a power user or 10 if you want to be a major spoiler spoilerite god. Uh, these recurring donations will help us do some great things in the future because we know that you love comics and we do too and we want to keep doing that. And uh, just the, the response that we've had so far has just been phenom- phenomenal. Uh, I've been very pleased with it. But we're still not there yet. We're still trying to get 100% of everybody listening to this podcast right now or in the future. Nobody's going to go for it. Uh, we want you to. Hello,
0: oh, future donors. people. There's a delay <laughs> over here. <laughs>
2: it's time. <laughs> Wait, what?
1: <laughs> seven eight five seven
2: two. What? So if you would. If you would, if you've got enough, Hello, major people! <laughs> you know, not everybody. <laughs> Screw you guys, I'm going home. Uh, wait, I am home. Uh, uh, Damn it! Uh, Skype, Skype delay. <laughs> uh, I know not everybody has the funds, and that's perfectly understandable. Uh, but every little bit helps, and some of you might be sitting there... Matthew, somebody might be sitting there saying, Hey, you guys are doing this for free already, so why should I contribute?
1: Well, the simple answer answer is, we're doing it for free because we love it, and we love doing lots and lots of things, but doing it for free does, in fact, incur costs, and it's one of those things where, from the very beginning, there have been people who've been generously donating. Those people, awesome. You, too, are awesome, even if you can't afford to donate, but, you know, if you steal our music, then Lars Ulrich, our drummer, will... No, wait, that's the wrong argument. (laughs) Crap. Um Well... As because said, there are some the right costs
2: see, wait. Yeah, and yeah. you know what, twenty five cents an, an episode or twenty five cents an issue, depending on what uh, show you're listening to, not that big of a deal when you think about the entire major Steelers like experience. One
3: cent per
1: reference in the average open.
2: There and, you go. And
3: you know, people people are like, I hate it when people start asking for money and stuff, and I, I understand that. Uh, I work for another organization that is constantly asking for money. Um, yes. that all, yes, that also does things for you for free, you ingrates. Um, <laughs> and the important thing is you can just, you know, go make yourself a sandwich during the commercials if you want. You know, we do this because if we get more money, we can make better content. And that's honestly what we're looking for. We want to improve major spoilers and it's gotten to the point where we've got writers, we've got talent. What we don't have is time. And apparently inversely, uh, money also makes time because then we can, you know, quit our jobs and spend time on major
2: spoilers. And I got to tell you, this is a terrible month for me. I mean, I just, it'll be, uh, I think the earliest I will have been to bed all this week is 2 AM. And the, I have to get up at 6 to start my day, and I don't like doing that because I'm getting pressures from real-world job, spoilers, everything else. We want to make it great and awesome. I know uh, Matthew and Rodrigo face some of the similar challenges. We want to do good things, but we need your help to do that. Uh, Or just think of a donation as a thank you for everything that we've done for you so far. Or if you think we suck, then go right ahead and just continue to listen for free. All right, everybody, thank you so much. Uh, on the next show, why would you give them that option?
1: About. I think if they if they think we suck, they should pay double. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Look, we've got a two dollar recurring donation, five dollar recurring donation, ten dollar recurring donation, and there are of all the people that have donated in the last two weeks since we've kicked this off, there have been several people that have contributed the ten dollar a month recurring <laughs> donation, and I find that amazing, and I want to thank those people. In fact, I've been trying every day on the Twitter to thank everyone who's <laughs> donated. But, you know, if we could get every single listener to just donate $2 a month, fantastic things will happen. All right. Put that in your hat and and think about it until next we speak. And And when we speak, (laughs) we will be talking about Ultimate Spider-Man. Why? Because we know you love comics and we do, too. And we'll talk with you soon. If you have any questions, comments, topic ideas for future shows, or would like to sponsor a show, send an email to podcast at spoilers.com. Visit Majorspoilers at Majorspoilers.com and be sure to check out the Majorspoilers forum. You can also follow Majorspoilers on Twitter at Twitter.com slash Majorspoilers and on MySpace at MySpace.com slash Majorspoilers.
0: What a major spoiler If I'm star rich like a man of iron I might not be surprised to find That I might actually have the heart cold to follow an entire storyline But would I really even need to read upon all those escapades? I mean, who needs such distractions when your sister's such a babe? But the downside is such a beast Being shot up in a fine be in the Middle East With a king, and throwing soldier major spoiler what a major spoiler yeah 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 what a major spoiler wow 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 what a major spoiler major spoilers
2: is copyright to